God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, I got to tell you, um, uh, we're going to get our phone system back up and running. So uh, calls coming in. I see. I actually have seen calls now. As soon as I lit the, uh, as soon as the phone number got ported over, I noticed uh, callers that call into this show calling into that line. And uh, I did see them. And uh, what we want to do is just, uh, well, the thing is, is that there's so many calls coming into it that we don't want it to ring in and and make it so it disrupts the show. So um, what we're trying to do is figure out a way to, there's some settings and we're looking for some better software, but uh, what we're using is this system that, the phone number itself, uh, the 215 Top Talk, the call in line to the show, 215 867 8255. We're going to be opening up that line tomorrow on this show. So I was almost inclined to doing it today, but I thought, nah, it's just not, I haven't tested it enough yet. So it was a close call as to whether I was going to use it today. Um, but I think um, I'm going to err on the side of, of, you know, basically getting it worked out a little bit better. So that's the situation with the phone line. So it is ported over. We had to, to wait. There was a long waiting period for this porting process because it was coming from some sort of a PBX uh, IP kind of deal uh, all the way over to something else. So in any case... Um, uh, apologize for the uh, phone system being down for so long, but tomorrow and then Friday, Leonora is going to be on the show, and I think we're going to have it for tomorrow and the next day and and Friday. Um, so that's the situation with that phone uh, phone system. You know, I was inspired by what we were talking about yesterday, and after the show, I posted two two uh, 
two basically uh, two messages that I didn't. Uh, they were part of my thought process that I had going on, and we ran out of time. We went straight up to the end of the um, end of the show, and uh, so I didn't have a chance to uh, to post them, or I didn't have a chance to talk uh, and expand my thoughts on them. And here's what it was. The first the first post I posted was in response to what we were talking about with regard to illegal migration and how this all started. You know, don't let's not forget that Obama, you know, took office in 2008. And what happened uh during his tenure was that uh he it was probably after 2010. What happened in 2010? We had a census. That's right. So we had a census. And what better way than to really rig the population and change the demographics? And that's what we were talking about, is this mass change of demographics. And we were listening to some uh, audio where they were talking about this influx of demographic change how we're bringing in these people across the southern border and they're being miraculously bussed or planed, you know, flown to different battleground districts. And so we were listening to a person talk about that. And it was um, uh, Candace Owens who was talking about that with Tucker, if you recall. And we played that clip and she was basically saying they're going to Akron, Ohio. They're going to, you know, Virginia and they're going to you know, Texas, and they're going to Georgia, and they're going to all these different states that they feel like they want to flip. And you have to beg and ask the question, if illegals can't vote, then what's the advantage? Well, why why bring them in? And then I thought about the other thing. This is another thought. that This, this is going to be an original thought, an original Scott Adams show concept, thought, theory. And I think it's a, it's going to hold some legs here, and I'm going to write about it in my blog. But the first one I posted, I said, huh, Obama's open border, mass illegal migration, and push for DACA. Remember DACA and amnesty? Remember Obama was pushing the Dreamers Act, <clears throat> deferred um, children, whatever, DACA? And remember um, when I said, Scalia uh, was the justice overseeing the Fifth Circuit. And Justice Hannon uh, halted the Dreamers Act, DACA. They said it was unconstitutional. Or he was basically saying, let's halt this, because it's like a genie out of a bottle. And uh, it got appealed by the Obama Department of Justice immediately. And it was... The hold was sustained. Justice Hannon's hold was agreed to by the appeals court. And that appeals court was the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, a more conservative circuit court. And what was interesting about that is the the judge that oversees the Fifth Circuit was Scalia, who got a physical and said he was in good health to go hunting in Texas. And all of a sudden... What happens to Scalia? But he winds up 
dead in a bed without a witness or an autopsy. Somehow, this group of people in the house, and somehow Scalia is dead with a pillow like over his head or something like that. I've heard mixed stories about that. But Scalia winds up dead, and they push for Merrick Garland. Now, we know Merrick Garland was, uh, you know, during his confirmation process, was asked all these questions about, is it illegal to cross the border illegally? And he couldn't answer the question. He, he was stumbling. I, I thought the guy was an absolute buffoon because I had never really heard Merrick Garland talking before. And you just hear these names and you think, oh, well, you know, he, he's, a, he's a judge. He, he must be really smart. Um, you know, we disagree on things. Like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'm sure she was a really smart woman. I disagree with her on just about everything, but, you know, obviously Scalia thought she was a brilliant woman. They went to the opera together. You know, two polar opposites on the bench. And that's fine. I I actually love that in America, when liberals and conservatives can get together and break bread together and, you know, have fun and debate and, and make it a little bit chippy and make it a little bit fun, you know, but not take it so seriously that you're at each other's throats and you want to kill the other person. I think that's where we go wrong. And a lot of times that's, that's unfortunate, but here's the thing. So Merrick Garland was the guy that was going to basically green light the hearing on the fifth circuit court of appeals for DACA. And they were pushing him in, pushing him to replace Scalia. But everybody knew Scalia was murdered. Something about that just doesn't smell right to me. And so that's why we waited, and then Trump came into office, and he got, uh, I think it was Gorsuch to play to take uh, take Scalia's seat. Then he got Kavanaugh to replace Kennedy's seat, and then he got Amy Coney Barrett to replace. Uh, uh, to replace the final, I forget who she replaced, but uh, in any case, he got three judges in four years. That's really good. But the issue is, is with all this DACA and amnesty and all this open border policy that Obama had going on, he started it after the 2010 census, which then begged the question, why is it? Well, it begs the, the, the begs the question, but it also actually answers the question. And the question is answered. No wonder this is the answer. No wonder in the 2020 election did they want to take the question about whether you're a citizen off the 2020 census. The 2020 census, they fought tooth and nail. And you could always tell that there's something going on by the way that the Democrats fight tooth and nail about an issue. So let's take it take it back, and, and here's what I tweeted. Huh, Obama's open border mass illegal migration and push for DACA and amnesty took place after the 2010 census. Biden picked up where Obama left off with, Obama, uh, with opening the floodgates full throttle 
No wonder Democrats pushed to remove the citizenship question from the 2020 census. Because they knew that there was no time in American history where we had more illegal migration than, than in the years between 2010 and 2020, from Obama to Biden, right? Now, Biden's not really part of that equation because he, he's, he's, he's opening up the floodgates after 2020. But think about, think about what they did to Trump. So, so Trump, every single time, Trump, every single time he tried to close the border, they said no. Now, why is it? Because the Democrats were on board. The Democrats were on board in 2006 and 2009. There were a lot of Democrats. They were still in office. I think Chuck Schumer may have been one of them. Talking about closing the borders. It was all talk. It was all like maybe they were the minority party at the time. Just like Paul Ryan said, it's easier to bark than it is to actually bite. And so, you know, we were the minority party, so therefore, you know, we could talk a lot a lot about our aspirations, but when it came time to get them done, it was a little bit more challenging than he gave credit. Well, he was lying to you. He basically was saying things to the public, placating to the base, things he had no intention of delivering on. Paul Ryan was a flat-out loser liar who's now on the board of Fox News, and they just won't get rid of him. And I think he's just a terrible guy. But think about it. So during Hillary was supposed to win. Trump was a, an upset of, of epic proportions. Nobody thought Hillary could lose because the fix was in, and the, the people at Dominion didn't, didn't earn their stripes. They didn't earn their keep. They said, we'll get them next time. And sure enough, they rigged it so poorly, so badly that, you know, Trump was such a hot commodity. Trump, Trump was such a winner that they had to pull out all the stops with all the algorithms. But during that four years of Trump, think back. Think back to how they fought tooth and nail. Think back how strongly they fought back and how much they sued just for building a wall on our southern border. Not only that, but Trump couldn't even build new wall. He had to replace the old walls. And so building the wall so it works, the walls that are already there, Trump wasn't even allowed to do. They would sue him on every turn. Talk about aggression. Why was that? Because they had already opened up the floodgates. Now, Trump was doing everything he could to stop catch and release and to, uh, if you're going to be uh, detained, you're going to be detained in Mexico. As soon as they did that, it was game over. The flood stopped. And they lost a couple of years, but they, they still had a big, huge, humongous flood of influx of illegals for the first two years of, of Trump's administration because of the way the Democrats fought. So they didn't want to lose any time whatsoever. Now what you're seeing with Kamala Harris coming back from Honduras and whatever, the triangle, nothing's working down there. They know what they're doing. It's willful. It's intentional. And the way Candace Owens put it on Tucker and what we've been saying for a long time, 
about turning Texas blue and so on and so forth, is they want these people to come in and vote. But they're illegals. They're not allowed to vote. But these illegals get an ID. The ID gets converted into, it's based on an honor system as to whether or not you register to vote. And somebody is registering these people to vote. That's why you see all these online systems for voting registration. Because unlike the illegal foreigner that's an illegal migrant, the actual people in, in the know have all the paperwork they need. They know exactly what's required to get the registration. They get the person registered and they turn it into a ballot and they turn that ballot into a vote. And that's why they're pushing mail-in balloting so hard because it has it, it, the mail-in balloting system and its connection with illegal citizens voting is paramount. And again, it's not the illegal citizen that's actually committing the crime. It's the systematic election fraud official paid for by people like Mark Zuckerberg, $400 million in influx, donations to these groups all over the country. They're actually rolling it out and registering these IDs, these, these people that get brought into the system. They're turning these people into IDs and they're turning them into voter registrations, those IDs. And those voter registrations become, uh, receive ballots. And the ballots never, ever really get mailed. They just get created in the system. And then the ballots received in the system as having been voted. And that's why those ballots that don't have a fold in them are so important. That's why in Nevada, for example... All of these different, um, all of these different uh, uh, voter fraud scenarios, whether it's no fold ballots that were sent in the mail, or whether it was um, people that were mo- moved somehow moved to Nevada because they needed more voters, uh, but they hadn't been there a month, and so therefore they weren't valid, but they counted them anyway. That's another one. Now let's think about another wrinkle to this problem, okay? So we just talked about why it is that they fought tooth and nail to take the citizenship question off the 2020. And the answer was because in no span of 10 years has there been more illegal migration than from 2010 to 2020. It was basically six of the, uh, well, that was basically from 2008, you know, to all the way up until, all the way up until uh, 2012, and then from 2012 to 2016, right? So it's, that's basically eight years right there, and then you know the eight years of Obama. I would say at least two years out of the Trump administration because of the way the Democrats fought tooth and nail. And that was that's that's your ten years right now of massive influx of illegal migration. 
And it's all about what what uh, Candace Owens said yesterday on our audio clip that we played from her. It's all about changing the demographics. It's all about moving these people. I think that the reason why Hillary Clinton didn't win is because they didn't fine-tune this well enough. It was their first real run at it. And they didn't get enough. They had an influx in California, but they were not able to get those California identities in battleground states. They didn't have enough time to do that. And it was partly because, and that's why they wanted Merrick Garland to come in. And they were really poised and ready for Merrick Garland to be the replacement to Justice Scalia. So much so that they they spent millions of dollars on these these uh, uh, forms that were going to be rolled out, and it was going to be fast tracked to get these DACA Dreamers amnesty. And it wasn't going to be the eleven million or whatever it was that they were talking about. It was going to be like Ann Coulter once said, thirty million. I think the number is going to be way worse. Because we just don't know how many people are coming into our borders. It's the shame. And it's the Democrats basically ruining America by opening the borders. It's completely an, an irreversible damage. It's, it's, it's akin to, it's just, it's, it's a massive, massive explosion in our country. And it's going to change the dynamics of our country for forever. And the people that are going to have to really live with it on a daily, day-to-day basis, middle-class USA, that's it. Nancy Pelosi, behind all of her walls and her security, uh, gun-toting security protection, uh, who demands that you don't have a wall and you don't have gun security, but she herself has it, is going to not have to deal with living amongst the criminals that have been coming across the border, the terrorists, the drug pushers on your children, and the the kids that are acting up in school that can't speak English, that are slowing down the pace of your education, and the votes that come along with it that push for critical race theory and indoctrination of your youth. It's a terrible thing that we're dealing with here. It's a terrible thing. Now, I wrote a follow-up to this, okay? So I just talked about demographic change, open borders, illegal migration, and perhaps that was the reason why it is that they fought so hard to take the citizenship question off the 2020 census because no time in our history... Have we ever seen an influx of illegal migrants as we've seen between 2010 census and 2020 census? And that's thanks in large part to Barack Hussein and all the socialism dynamics that went along with this decision making. And remember, it was Hillary Clinton that was pushing for open borders in her private speeches. And it was Elizabeth Warren who came out and basically advance the position that to abolish ICE and open the borders. And it's now become basically a plank of the Democrat Party. Open border society. It's crazy when you think about it.
So now let's talk about the other impact. Who, as Candace Owens said, who gets negatively impacted the most with this illegal migration? Who gets impacted negatively the most? It's black people, blacks and minorities in general, but Hispanics and black populations that dominate uh, dominate the lower lower income jobs in America. It's just a fact. Now it's it's uh, it's a it's uh, Joe Biden's son. Uh, Joe Biden, he he's the personification of white privilege and white supremacy all rolled up into one. And it's his son, Hunter, that was talking to his attorney about uh, using the N-word every every other turn. Talk about racists in the Biden family, right? Talk about incestual uh, behavior in the Biden family. Talk about pedophilia in the Biden family. These people have no scruples. They've been in power for 50 years, and somehow they can't figure out any solutions to any problems, like the border, for example. But yeah, that news is is very interesting, and we're going to talk about Fauci's lies, more lies about hydroxychloroquine today as well, but right now I want to get past this one. Black Lives Matter was started in 2013 by Democrat Marxists to not only divide America, but also drive a wedge between black conservatives and black liberals to deceive a voter block that was about to be damaged by Obama's illegal migration. So the illegal migration was designed to change the demographics and impact elections and to create more uh, availability to voter fraud using illegal uh, or fraudulent voting machines by turning these illegals into registered voters, valid ballots, and so on and so forth. Because an illegal is better than a dead person, and we know dead people voted. And an illegal is better than a minor, and we know minors voted in 2020's election. And an illegal is better than a ghost, because at least they have an ID, and it's harder to check because we're not supposed to know who these illegals are, which is protected by, that's why the sanctuary cities happened. And that's why when they were shipping these illegals, um, the Obama Justice Department would say they're entitled to their privacy. They have a right to privacy. So the governors were not even allowed to know who these people were to register them on a registry to know and track and who these people are. The federal government was doing this. And it's there's a reason why. It's a systematic approach to changing our government. But while these people were coming in, black people were saying, guess what? These people are coming in and they're taking our jobs. These people are coming in and they're getting they're getting payments. They're getting free transportation. They're getting stipends. They're collecting on some social welfare systems 
that we're not entitled to as citizens. They're treating these illegals better than they're treating us. We gave to the Democrat Party for the last 40 years since Linda B. Johnson. And when are we going to get our return on investment? Why is it that uh, Democrats are turning their back on black communities and giving to these other illegal migrants coming through the border? Why is that happening? And they start to grow befuddled. They start to grow disenfranchised. They start to look at what Trump was saying. Trump basically said, what the hell do you have to lose? And he pushed HBCUs, historically black in uh, uh, colleges and universities, right? Historically black colleges and universities. So that was great. Trump did that. Trump said, what the hell do you have to lose? And Trump then basically, uh, with Tim Scott's help, pushed for opportunity zones. Trump initiated one great pardon after another. Alice Johnson comes to mind. Jack Johnson, the great boxer from the 20s and 30s, came to mind. And all of these different things that Trump did, reaching out to Jim Brown and Kanye West and all these other people, wanting to talk about uh, the black struggle and black uh, requirements and black needs and get and solve problems. And sure enough, they looked at second chance. They looked at single parent home uh, situations, single single uh, parent families, fatherless homes in black communities. And what they came up with was many of these are being people are being incarcerated. Let's see if there's a solution for this problem. And a lot of people were released from prison. A lot of Republicans didn't like that. I understand that. But nevertheless, Trump was winning over black hearts and minds with solutions, not hyperbole, not platitudes, but with real solutions. And he was listening and he was delivering. And and the Democrats realized we need to do something. Now, again, this was before Trump, that Black Lives Matter came out in 2013. But when Trump came aboard, they decided to harp on Trump's a racist. They played up Charlotte. They tried to divide America. But then they also used the Black Lives Matter rank and file as slaves themselves by sending them out into the street and attacking the police and Uh, getting into bloodshed, tearing down buildings, setting buildings ablaze, looting stores, ruining black reputations, and in, in, in addition to that, putting their lives at risk, all to advance an agenda and fundraise off of that. Because when you go to blacklivesmatter.com, it's nothing but donations to Act Blue. When you donate, it goes to Act Blue, which goes to Joe Biden. It goes to winning elections for Democrats. That's all it is. Meanwhile, the top brass of Black Lives Matter is buying million-dollar homes. And meanwhile, today, as we sit here, Black Lives Matter flags are atop embassies in the State Department. And still, if I walk into D.C., um. I see Black Lives Matter Plaza. I see paint down the street says Black Lives Matter. If 
I go to Shirleyville, this little cute town in, in my neighborhood in Arlington, Virginia, not too far away, there's a library, public library, it says Black Lives Matter all over it. That's taxpayer dollars, folks. And it's going toward one Marxist group that donates only to liberals and Democrats. That's not fair. That's absolutely not fair. So I wrote this. I said, was Black Lives Matter started in 2013 by Democrat Marxists to not only divide America, but also drive a wedge between black conservatives and liberals? You know, divide and conquer. Because they figured they were going to lose the black conservatives to Trump. Um, So, you know, and they were going to lose black conservatives anyway. So what they wanted to do was create another reason for black liberals to stay, especially during the Trump years when Trump was doing, uh, creating, you know, an enormous amount of job opportunities for black communities, which was better than any social welfare program known to man. So were they driving a wedge between black conservatives and liberals and black liberals to deceive a voter bloc that was about to be damaged by Obama's illegal migration? DACA and amnesty then became militant against Trump's what the hell do you have to lose campaign that advanced HBCUs, opportunity zones, record black unemployment and second chance prison reforms. Black liberals are being connected Black liberals are being conned into believing migrant jobs won't hurt them and exploited to help rig elections, risk their lives, fight Democrat battles in the streets. They're putting themselves at risk. I mean, basically, when you look at all all the meccas for election fraud, they used black people the most. In Wayne County, in Detroit, in Philadelphia County, in Philadelphia, for Pennsylvania, and for Michigan was Wayne County, and for um, Milwaukee is a a, a black uh, town uh, in Wisconsin, maybe one of the one of the most minority towns in Wisconsin, and that was the rig Wisconsin, and even Maricopa County was the most mixed with minorities. And that's in Arizona. And then, of course, there's Atlanta in Georgia. And when you see the um, videotape in Georgia, it's pretty much all black people working those machines, except for the white bosses. It's black. uh, That was the black people that were taking the most risk. And now they are being questioned. So it's kind of an interesting little dynamic when you think about it, that the Democrats are continually using black people to advance their agenda. Just like when Linda B. Johnson said, we're going to own those black people for the next 200 years. And he used the N-word to make his point. Because we're going to give them a couple of carrots and they're going to return and we're going to lock them in. And we're going to own that voter, voter block. But they were about to lose the voter block because of the influx of open borders and illegal migrants taking up uh, their resources, whether it's jobs or government resources. And they were going to start to question it. So what the Democrats did was they created a divide. And they said, it's all about Michael Brown. It's all about hands up, don't shoot. It's all about 
cops and brutality. It's all about these things that weren't even true. They were a pack of lies. And still today, you see people gravitating toward those things as if they are true. They're not true. Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot, was a flat-out lie. And they stoked the flames of racial divide in any chance that they could, whether it's Freddie Gray in Baltimore or so on and so forth. And you get Stephanie Rollins-Blake, the mayor of Baltimore at the time, saying, we're going to give people space to destroy. Well, that didn't work out too well. There needs to be discipline and accountability and self-responsibility. And if you don't have that, you're lost as a population. But the Democrats know that. But they're exploiting these individuals, these lower-educated individuals. Incidentally, I just posted a meme that says, is it any wonder that you try to, if you're a young 18-year-old and you try to get a $10,000 loan for a business, you'll get rejected? But if you want a $100,000 loan for a college degree, you'll get approved? This whole system is rigged against the middle class. It's rigged against independent thinking. It's rigged against self-empowerment. It's all about, it's probably the answer to the reason why uh, the um, tenured professors and the professors in universities across America have the same pedigree of liberalism as the big pharma and the medical communities. And the bureaucrats that work in Washington and the and the um, editorial boards in journalism. It's why we have, uh, you know, all of these different intellectual, so-called intellectual properties, whether it's universities, journalism, um, and so and and medical, uh, and they call it like eds in, in Philadelphia. They call it eds and meds, because Philadelphia is built on the back of education and, and medical institutions and hospitals. And so, you know, it's, it's, no, uh, it's no surprise that the, these, this liberal groupthink has crossed over into our mainstream media and has impacted elections. And the people that work in government tend to be liberal. The people that work to hiring teachers tend to be liberal. The people that are a part of the teachers union are liberal. Unions in general are liberal. Because everybody on the socialist liberal side, if you're on the inside, you're secure. If you're on the outside, you're independent, but you're not secure. Because your enemy now becomes the government. The government's constant effort is to 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 um, to to reel you in and get you underneath their thumb. And if you're independent, like the middle class tends to be, uh, that becomes a problem for them. So what do they do? They they lie. They they try to rig elections to 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 create policies that will ruin your life, like the draconian measures of COVID like the uh, irresponsible trade deals 
that send your corporate jobs overseas to where it makes it more difficult for you to find a job. And it makes it more difficult for you to pay your bills because the tax burden is so high. And it makes it more difficult for you to find a place that is good for for you and your family uh, because they're constantly attacking your God, your Christian rights, and your Christian values. They're constantly going after your civil liberties. They We saw that firsthand with the COVID draconian measures. Now we found out that Fauci's been lying to us, that in his private emails, masks didn't work, but he wanted everybody to wear a mask. He didn't want people to see each other smile. He didn't want people talking to each other. It turns out that asymptomatic uh, doesn't spread. And it turns out also that hydroxychloroquine actually worked. How do you like that? So what do you make of that? That's a pretty, pretty scary proposition, really, when you think about it. Because if hydroxychloroquine worked, it could have saved millions of lives worldwide. And by halting that, you know, it becomes a question of why. Why do you do that? And I think it's I think it's actually pretty sinister, really, when you think about it. And we're going to go ahead and play this clip again. We've played it once before, but it's in context with Fauci. Because I posted this this morning and I said, my question is, did Fauci reject hydroxychloroquine to support profits for vaccine investors and hospitals? Or was he rejecting the one drug that can stop China's bioweapon that impacted elderly patients worldwide who were becoming a burden on hospitals and government budgets? Or was it both? So the question is this. When you listen, when you listen to, uh, I'm going li- to take a listen to this because I think this, this, this one part of it right here. Let's take a listen. I'm going to listen to what Bill Gates says here and I'm going to explain it. So here we go. Well, we're going. Let's see. Reproductive health services. We could lower that by really great job. 6.8 billion people. Okay. The population growth. Right We've got population. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. We could lower that by vaccines, health care, reproductive. That's headed up to about $9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps... Okay, so he says new vaccines, health care, reproductive services. So we know that new vaccines could be the COVID vaccine, right? We know that uh, health care is socialized medicine. And we also know that reproductive services is abortion. We also know that Bill Gates financed 
uh, Planned Parenthood. And his father did too. And the point is, is that he's constantly involved in these things that kill you or manipulate your mind or control you. Early on in his career, he wanted, uh, his dream was to put a computer on everybody's desk, every person's desk in the world. He had this, you know, altruistic, you know, basically this utopia view that everybody would have a Windows computer on on their desk and they would be connected to the world. And that's a big dream. That's a big goal. And he, he had that goal. But then also, he became the largest farmland owner in America. And he started pushing that 100% of the, he's always with 100%. Since uh, people who eat beef, uh, they should consume 100% synthetic beef. Beef. What's in the synthetic beef? Formaldehydes? The same kind of stuff that's in vaccines. And they were talking about Roundup and some other stuff. What's in these synthetic beefs to make them, it's, it's they're chemicals. And here he's talking about lowering the, the population from 9 billion to 6.5 billion. How do we do that? Healthcare, socialized medicine. Those are death panels. That's what we've been talking about. How much care are you going to give a cancer patient who's over the year, over 80 years old? It's like, do we spend $100,000 on cancer relief or cancer resolution for an 80-year-old when they only have another 15 to 20 years uh, of, of living to do if they, if they live to 100? I mean, so the point is, is that they do this calculation. It doesn't make mathematical sense. And they, they've done it throughout uh, medical. You know, if you have a certain chance to live and it's incurable, how much money are we going to spend on you? And, you know, after, at some point it's up to you. You can spend your life savings, but the insurance company is not going grant, to grant that. So, so the issue is death panels. Well, isn't COVID, wasn't COVID a death panel? What could have stopped COVID to create to, to make it so it wasn't a death panel, or a Chinese bioweapon that could curb to, that could correct the world population? The Chinese populate bioweapon was COVID. So Fauci had a choice. It's an emergency. Let's go ahead and use something that he agreed fixed coronaviruses fifteen years ago. Something that he emailed to his family and said, I would recommend hydroxychloroquine to my family. Something that behind closed doors he said one thing, but then he said another in public view. Now, it's no question that Fauci is seen in photographs, like hundreds of photographs, hundreds of events with Bill Gates. He's good buddies with Bill Gates. And he knows everybody in the business. And so the point is, is did Fauci turn a blind eye because he was invested in patents and Bill Gates, you know, we played the clip that says he gets a 20% return on investment. So Bill Gates can make $200 billion off of a $10 billion investment. Was he trying to help his friends who are super wealthy get rich off the vaccines? 
And the hospitals that profited greatly from this because of the government supplements, subsidies associated with your, your, you know, you could be dead like President Trump just said the other day. Had a friend who died of one thing, uh, heart disease or something, but they said he died of uh, a heart attack. But they said, no, he died of COVID. And it, they, they get more money from that. There was a Minnesota state uh, uh, public official that basically was a, he was a doctor as well, said the same thing. It's very consistent. You just have to listen and remember. And so the, the hospitals are death panels. I heard that Italy had an elderly population. They were getting crushed financially by their socialized medicine being crippled and their budgets being crumb, crushed by elderly consuming so much of their health care. So Bill Gates is talking about reducing the world's population by health care, and that's, he's calling that really socialized medicine, and that translates into death panels. That's how you reduce from $9 billion to $6.5 billion. Reproductive services is abortion. Of course, he's, you know, we know what a Planned Parenthood is, is all about. And those are put up in black communities more than any other communities. Sort of like Margaret Sanger's eugenics, right? But then vaccines. So I'm beginning to think that Fauci was on the side of China as a bio, China's bioweapon as a way to profit and correct world populations in Bill Gates's utopia as he just said we just heard it more than he was about saving lives so the chinese you know so that that's the uh so it says here my question is did Fauci reject high hcq to support profits for vaccine investors in hospitals? Or was he rejecting the one drug that could stop China's bioweapon that impacted elderly patients worldwide who are becoming a burden on hospitals and government budgets? I, I, I don't know, but he did lie. And that's the sad truth. And there was a lot of profiteering going on. So... Gateway Pundit says, greatest mass killer of 21st century. Data shows Fauci conspired and lied. New study shows HCQ plus AZM improves survival of COVID patients by nearly 200%. It's a new study. Remember when Lancet came out with their study, Lancet, and it was poo-pooing hydroxychloroquine only to find out that they all lied? And it was because they had stock options in Moderna and some other stuff. And then they, they had to correct it. So, you know, when you think about it, that's, uh, that's actually pretty, pretty telling. Um, that Lancet's now the go-to source for new studies and investigations. By the way, Biden's America this is another issue. 60 members of Congress were victims of the latest ransomware. So my question, and probably something we're going to talk about tomorrow, is with ransomware, I said this, 
Are ransom hackers the next terror attack to support globalist liberal green initiatives in the wake of recent oil and beef attacks that create shortages, drive up prices, and consequently reduce consumption while at the same time pushing Chinese beef exports and electric vehicles and alternative energy systems? This is great for the green community. It's almost like Greenpeace, right? Uh, Remember when they were real militant, flying in the way of things, these ships and stuff? Are the ransom hackers part of a climate change group like Greenpeace, funded by governments to advance climate change initiatives? Are they? I think it's worth exploring. Do you? As an extension, are they now using this playbook against their political enemies, hacking into politicians Isn't that akin to illegal wiretap searches and seizures? It is. It was Mark Felt, not Richard Nixon, that was wiretapping the weather underground. But they all blamed Nixon. But it was the liberal, Mark Felt, who took down the White House back in the Watergate days. It's not new, folks, but it's sinister. By the way, there's something new that's developing out in Arizona. Huge development. Three different states tore the Arizona audit floor. More are expected. It includes Colorado. It includes um, just a a lot of states are starting to look at this, uh, what's going on in Arizona. And... um, and there was a there was a there was actually a, an audio clip we were going to play where we're going to run, be running out of time here, um, so uh, I apologize for that. But we have uh, you know we have another day to talk about these things. We're going to be talking a lot about the AZ audit. Uh, it's coming to fruition to uh, June fourteenth. We're expected to see the end of the counting. We're going to start to see the the results drip out. We're going to start to see that if they do. These other states are going to be up front and center to do the same thing. And this is going to be the worst nightmare ever. Because I've always said, the way we take our country back is we fix this election fraud first and foremost. And that's going to require, because we got the numbers, we ha- we're right on the issues. And the fraud, we need to expose it. And I think there's a lot of states doing a lot of good things right now. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, our nonprofit for America First policies to make America great again. Magapac.org, the sister uh, organization. Magapac.org. If you want to make a donation, please do. And also, uh, be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcasts that are available uh, for the Scott Adams Show. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Just to bury my kids right up to there